Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friday morning, February the 21st in 2020 on When I Rise. We're going to conclude our week of readings with the gospel text because it's Friday, and on Fridays we look at the gospels. So we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 17. This is year A and Transfiguration Sunday, the time in which we look at this pivotal passage in the Gospels where Jesus' glory is revealed to his disciples. So I'll read the passage from Matthew 17, then I'll provide a couple points of reflection, which will lead us to a time of prayer. So thanks for making this party morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise to meet God together in a time of prayer. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for us. All right, what can we say about Matthew chapter 17 on Transfiguration Sunday? Well, this is a pivotal, pivotal time in the Gospels, and there's a couple of different hints that Matthew gives here for us in order in order for us to pay attention. First, this is about the middle of the book, and the way they told stories back in this culture is um, a form called a chiasm or a chiasm, however you want to pronounce that, which is basically you think of like a narrative structure. In our time, there's the setting, there is the rising action, then there's the climax, then there's the re- resolution. So setting, conflict, Climax resolution. Well, in their time, they what they would do is something more like uh, Forrest Gump, where you had uh, the the story begins and it ends in the same place, and there is a rising action in the middle, which causes you to return back home in a of sorts. And you think about Forrest Gump, and there's like the the bus stop where it starts and where it ends, and all the stuff goes down, which makes the, the return to the bus stop a little bit different than it was at the beginning of the story. And so as we're reading Matthew's gospel, we're begging for some sort of a climax. We're begging for some sort of a series of events or an event in of itself that causes us to see the rest of the gospel in the, in the light of that event. And so some scholars think it is Peter's confession, a Caesarea Philippi. Others think it's this transfiguration experience. But nevertheless, Jesus and his friends are on top of the mountain. You'll notice in the first phrase of the passage, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. So 
really there's no other frame of days, time frame of days um, in the gospel to this point. And so the fact that six days has transpired and this is the seventh day should alert us to that this is the Sabbath, this is sacred time. And so something significant is going to happen here. And so Jesus goes up to a mountain, which is uh, similar to Moses being on the mountain from the Old Testament story. So the location of itself allows our attention to be really focused here on what's going to happen next. When Jesus is there, he's transfigured in front of them. Great light shines around him, and two curious characters, Moses and Elijah, come next to him. Now, what's the significance of Moses and Elijah? It's a, What the uh, scholarship suggests is that this is the law and the prophets, the two great witnesses to the Israelite community are represented represented here in Moses and Elijah. So they are coming to meet Jesus in the middle. So Jesus is being seen here as the one whom... All of Israel's story comes to its meeting point. It's all leading up to this moment here. Then there's the voice of God, the ascribing of sonship, which is something that we've talked about from Psalm chapter 2 and earlier points of um, our week of readings. And so here we are, like, here are Jesus' disciples, a few of them, meeting with Jesus, and all of Israel's story is rushing together in this one moment. But before we think that Israel's story is all roses and light and glory, Matthew seems to pique our interest here, but then the story continues to move on. This is not where the story ends, because a little bit from now, in the end of his story, Jesus is brought up a hill once again, and he's crucified. And in that regard, he is not lifted up in in a a way of uh, being honored, but lifting up in shame. And there's so many parallels uh, to these two events. Instead of the affirmation from the Father at the cross, it's the affirmation of one of the Roman soldiers. Peter here is so eager to uh, talk about the glorious moment that this is. We look later when Jesus is lifted up on the hill on the cross. uh, Peter is away in shame and he's hiding himself instead of running to the front to talk about this, this event. So again and again, Matthew, as a great storyteller, wants us to see that what happens here relates to what happens later on a hill. And so here we have the two sides of the coin of the Christ event. He is the one who is honored. He is the one who's lifted up. He's the one in which great light shines around. He is also one who experiences great pain, the one who receives accusation and not affirmation. He's the one who is denied and not just embraced. These are the two sides of the coin of the Christ event. And I think it's for us as well. As we become Christians and as we walk the Christian life, there are moments where we're honored. There are moments in which it is it is conveyed and it is concluded that we have chosen the right path. But being a Christian also comes at a cost. It also gouges us. It also takes from us, just like Jesus on the cross. And so here we have a moment of great glory but then we also have a moment of great sadness. And that is the shape of the Christian life. And so I think how we should pray this morning is to thank God for what he has done in Christ. He has lifted him up. He has honored Christ. And part of his honoring is that Jesus died for our sins and in our place. And so let's take a posture of lowliness this morning. Let's think about who Jesus is, the one who is affirmed by the Father It is also one who takes the pain of sin upon himself so that we can have the honor of the Father on our lives because we are now found in Christ. So let's spend some time thanking God for the finished work of the cross that he's done in Christ that's now applied to us as Christian people.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you today that you're a good God. And your goodness has led us to repentance. Your kindness leads to repentance. And we find ourselves within the family of God because you're a God who pardons, you're a God who's patient, you're a God who forgives, and you're a God who remembers our sins no more. But we thank you that that came at a cost, and it's a cost that we didn't have to pay because Jesus was willing to die in our place. And so, God, this day we are in a place of gratitude. Our hearts are filled with wonder and gratitude because Jesus is both glorified and he's also scorned in order for salvation to be extended to the ends of the earth. So we thank you that on this Transfiguration Sunday week, we can think about in the way in which all of Israel's story and all the story of the Bible comes to its climax. It all meets in the person of Christ, that we don't have to look for another, that there's not another guide out there because Jesus wasn't enough. No, Jesus is enough. And so we lean and rest upon the work of Christ for our life today. God, we think think about the two sides of this Christ story, how he was, how he was, uh, how he was accused, but he was also affirmed, how he was glorified, but he was also rejected. We think of this, it's such a great mystery. And as we dwell upon that great mystery today, um, we are led to a place of worship, worshiping because Jesus was willing to come and to be revealed as the affirmed one, but also as the afflicted one. And so God, this day, may our minds continue to uh, be led to wonder on this great thought. May we continue to think about what the cross-shaped life looks like, not just for Jesus, but for us as well, that we are the affirmed people of God, but also as the world uh, denied Jesus, it could deny us at some level. And so may we not reel from that fact. May we not be led to great despair. But may we understand that just as Christ was vindicated on Resurrection Sunday, that we're going to be vindicated as well. So may we consider the life of Christ enough. And may we embrace and rest the great promises of God that we find in Christ And may it encourage us and empower us for works of ministry and for ministries of mercy for all those around us today. Ask all these things in that strong name of Jesus. Amen.